What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Will Mavity's interview with the director and writer for Radical, Christopher Zala. Yo no voy a decidir lo que van a aprender. Eso lo van a decidir ustedes. Puede ser lo que sea, ¿eh? lo que sea. Pero ¿cómo vamos a sacar buenas calificaciones? ¿Qué importan las calificaciones? ¿Habían tenido una clase así antes? Nunca había tenido un maestro así. Señor Juárez, este lugar... A nadie le importa un carajo lo que pasa aquí. ¿Usted pidió venir aquí? ¿Para qué? Pues... Solo quería probar algo distinto. No vaya a patear el avispero, ¿ok? No, ¿cómo cree que? No. All right. Well, thank you for being with me today. This is a wonderful little movie. I'm glad people are going to get to see it. It's uh, it's stuck with me a lot. It's been almost a year, I guess, since Sundance. So, I was reading up a little bit on you and your background, and it's it's interesting because in a lot of ways it seems like your own path as a director kind of tracks Sergio's where the uh you kind of disappear and then you re-emerge kind of reborn so tell me a little bit about kind of your own filmmaking journey and how that kind of correlates with Sergio's yeah no that, that's exactly right I think it's a big reason that that, that I was attracted to the story um the the real character Sergio you know, wanted basically wanted nothing more in life than to be the teacher that inspired him to want to be a teacher and and was kind of a miserable failure at it and had a nervous breakdown and um, decided to start over. And, you know, I, I think it takes a lot of a lot of cajones to to <laughs> uh, to do that. And um, I, I, I had a very similar trajectory, as you as you mentioned, um, my career sort of got off to a good start, interesting start, but through a, a, you know, just a collision of circumstances, both my own need just to make a living, <laughs> but I think a lot of just sort of personal stuff, um, really like deeply existential stuff, like who am I, what kind of movies do I want to make? I, I just really found my my path diverging with where I wanted it to be. And, and you know, the way the film business works is it's, people often like criticize films or filmmaker as as though they have a lot of choice and they can just do whatever they want and in fact it's no it's this it's this sort of marriage of what you want to do but with what you know an industry will allow you to do what uh producers and film financers and 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 sort of on some level there's just so much luck involved in all of it i think that that doesn't really get talked about enough but but in my case, I, I I found that I was I was just not I was not happy. I was not 
um, fulfilling myself creatively. I, I definitely didn't get into the business for money. I got into it to make the kind of things I wanted to make. And, and I wasn't really doing that. And so I just decided to, to withdraw. And I literally pulled up stakes, moved my family to Guatemala, and just started writing again, thinking that, you know what, if I'm, if I'm never, I wrote screenplays, I wrote TV shows and movies, but I'm thinking that with all of them, if I can never do this again, like this TV show will be a novel. And so I was writing it in my mm. mind, half novel, half TV show. Um, but, but that process, I, I ended up spending eight years in Guatemala and that, that process actually brought me back to, uh, myself, I think, and and the love and 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 the sort of connecting to the material in a way that that was meaningful to me. That you know, it got me up every day to do it again, to keep going, and and just loving the process, which is really what it was about. And in in that in the midst of that moment where I sort of had found it again, I was sent the article on which Radical was based uh, to consider directing it, and that was a big reason that I chose it. It was was that very similarity between Sergio's story and, and my own. Well, I'm glad you uh, you've discovered yourself and your joy again. Um, is uh, are we ever going to see that that novel, or are you going to try to pursue that now as a TV show? No, it's it's. I mean, you know, primary was always TV show, so that's yeah. that's definitely the 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 intention. Um, it's a big one. It's crazy. So, it, you know, and especially as the the sort of the, the streaming business contracts. You know, it will require somebody with cajones, <laughs> the same word again, to do it. But it's a, it's a blast, and and I yeah, I hope to get to do it um, yeah, as well as some features that I've done. So, you know, I'm I'm just very excited with the moment right now, and and luckily we've had a really good um, reaction to this movie, and hopefully that will help make that marriage of filmmaker <laughs> and business a little bit uh, more uh, simpatico. So tell me a little bit about kind of working with the real life Sergio. Um, I, I believe he was on set a decent amount with your team. He was, which, you know, I don't know that, I mean, we knew he was going to come visit. And and in fact, I, I had in my mind a little cameo he could do, which which he did. <laughs> Unfortunately, it, it sort of hit the cutting room floor. Um, the real Paloma is in the movie. Um, hers did not. But, but he ended up spending quite a bit of time with us. I, I think in part he was, you know, I mean imagine a guy who like has a like nervous breakdown decides to start over all he wants to do is make a difference goes to the town he was from the sort of little corner of the world that where no one leaves nothing moves and you know is audacious enough to like think that like this is where i'm gonna change the world is like in my little corner and and he did. I mean, he he did something, you know, pretty extraordinary there, such that, you know, here I am talking to you about it. And I, I pulled him up in front of the entire crew when he visited us the first time. And I said, we're, we're all here because of a choice that this guy made and what he did. And like he he's planted a seed. And if we execute this film in the way that I think we can, we're going to keep it going, you know, mm. and, I, and I think he was I think he was really enjoying the process of seeing it going. And I think especially when I put it in those terms, I think he really understood the potential, the power of, of that. And, and then became honestly like a creative ally. Like he would sit mm -hmm. and I would, I would like, there would be like a military checkpoint and, you know, and the, the movies, you know, it takes place in 2012. So there's this 11 year space. And I would say, is this kind of the right level of the tone, you know, cause we didn't want to over-exaggerate anything. And, and he had ideas with everything, you know, that's perfect. That's perfect. It's just how it was, or, or, you know, eh, I think, you know, go this way. And, it was it was actually super helpful. Yeah. So, um, 
you talk a lot about kind of the uh this is a particularly kind of brutal uh trash filled town so one thing that struck me about your filmmaking here is just how much you emphasize that visually um you have this recurring motif of just gates slamming and locks closing and then you just there's just trash everywhere you know you have all these cutaways like handheld just showing trash piled everywhere so tell me a little bit about kind of creating this gritty environment that this story takes place in. Yeah, well, I mean, the story, the real story takes place in a neighborhood called Basural. Basura is trash. And so mm -hmm. it's literally kind of like the dump. Uh, that's what the neighborhood's called. And and again, you know, we, we felt like a fidelity of the truth was was paramount. At the same time, ironically, we, we actually had to pull back a lot because the the real school was almost exaggeratedly depressing. And, and the real area... So we actually, as filmmakers, were constantly pulling back on that uh, <laughs> because because we didn't want to we didn't want to stick your nose in it. I, I also felt like cin cinematographically, we 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 needed to shoot it beautifully. There needed to yeah. be a certain cinematic quality to it that didn't portray it. You know, there's a Spanish word porno miseria. I think we call it poverty porn. Um, mm. And 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 it's it's a real difficult needle to thread when you're telling a story that's set in a place like that. Um, to not, um, in a sense, rub our faces in it. And so, yeah, it was about trying to create uh, an environment and an atmosphere that both captured the reality and presented the obstacles of that reality, while, while at the same time, not making it something that was like heavy in a way that it felt like there there was commentary from the film or mm -hmm. some pity or judgment or because because at the end of the day you know and i i think on some level if i had to reduce the movie to some some basic ideas one of them is just kids trying there's something so joyful about kids trying and yet i think there's also something so bittersweet which is like they're going to hit some walls and like mm. you know you, you want to cheer a kid on but at the same time it's like there's we know as adults that like you know yeah follow your dreams but life is going to smack you down a lot you know um, yeah and i think that the, the the environment itself was this kind of wonderful metaphor for all of it dreaming of a better sleep tossing and turning is not your destiny and ollie is here to help ollie invites you to sink into sweet sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness more than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. So there's another aspect I really liked, which is that whenever we go into his teaching sessions, you have this very live wire feel. There's a lot of handheld, there's a lot of cuts all over the place. Tell me a little bit about kind of using the craft of editing and camera work to create just this very unrestrained, freewheeling environment that he creates in his classroom. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we set that oppositionally against outside of the classroom, which was wide shots, very static, like, like you know, I mean, literally stasis. And, and, and to me, that was part of the filmmaking thing was, was, was Sergio is dynamism itself. Like he's going to come in. And we're going to have this this completely other dynamic reality in the classroom, 
Um, and so filmically very much, we, we actually, every time we cut to Sergio, we would cut like five to seven frames more than we normally would. So that mm. he kind of had to jump every time. Like, where is it? You have to keep up with him, you know? <laughs> uh, we embraced discontinuity. So he literally might not have been where you thought he was going to be. Like he's just in a different spot. It's all subconscious, you know, the way it works. But but that was actually absolutely intended to filmically present us with this incredible contrast, this incredible break. And also to make the classroom a place of life, a place of dynamism, and and frankly more exciting. This is more exciting alternative to yeah. their environment, which is which very much about. I mean that canal, like the water doesn't move. It's just a, mm. like literally the the it's just bubbling with the gas. Oh, it's an open God. sewer, and that was exactly the canal they had next to the school, mm. and. To me, again, just this metaphor for like where we are and what he brings to it. Filmically, I think we we had a lot of opportunity. We do the same thing with color. We do. There was a, a bunch of really intentional, um, you know, filmmaking based stuff that that we did to create that dichotomy and ideally make the class a place that also we, the audience, want to get back mm. to. And 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 that's the whole thing, right? School is like, oh, you have to you have to like you have to tolerate school on some level, you know, Oh, I got to go to school. And like, no, we want, like we want to go to school. You know, <laughs> can we do that as filmmakers? I thought if we could, we, we might, you know, really make something interesting here. Now, obviously we have to talk about your leading man, uh, Eugenio Derbez. And he's, uh, he's a very funny guy. I think he improvs a lot in his comedies. So when you have him in this more dramatic role, and obviously it's amazing performance when he's in his teaching space, are you letting him improv or is this more of kind of a scripted structure? Yeah. I mean, I, I always let everyone improv. I actually go, I, I give, whether it's in Spanish or English, well, at least when I have the power authority to do it, which I did in this case, <laughs> I, I let everyone rewrite their own dialogue. Like I, I want them to be comfortable and say it in a way that, that, that rolls off of their lips comfortably and so that's one thing. And that really empowers an actor to feel a sense of ownership, I think, over the role. And it also opens the pathway to improv because it's like, oh, this is now I'm I'm sort of writing this and I can kind of write as I go. So so that's a that that is something that and, and then when you have somebody with with his comic talent, but but in this case, actually, we did a tiny bit of rehearsal and some really amazing things came up. And some of the some of the best lines in the movie are are Eugenio's that he mm. came up with in rehearsal, like Literally, there's a moment when he calls Nico over after Nico misbehaves in class and he says something to him. And, and that was in a rehearsal moment. He's like, well, what if I say this? And I just like started crying. <laughs> I was because it was just such a it was it was one of these moments when as a writer, as a director, you're just kind of trying to create an idea, an energy, a tone. And then when your actor says something to you, that's like you just in one phrase embodied the whole movie mm. you know, it's, it's hard not to just be bowled over you know because it because it was it's, it was such an audacious thing to say it's the exact yeah. wrong thing for any <laughs> teacher to tell any kid but it's so it's so truthful and it's so empathetic and it's so powerful and i think that that's that's the kind of improvisation which is to say open this space where we're all co-creating together and and of course i did it with the kids and these kids had never acted before and i think one of the reasons we got these incredible performances and no one is talking about how good these kids are enough. In my opinion, the ensemble of these kids was, I think from a very similar place, they became owners of these characters in a way that they weren't acting, 
you know, they weren't performing or kind of like coloring in the lines. They, they became, and it was theirs. And we got to film them being there. And I literally in some of these teaching classes, what was amazing was like kids off script, raising their hand or, or just spitting out answers off script because they were, they were actually only the central characters really knew the story and the script because mm. we, because Eugenio was so huge in Mexico, if it got out that he was in the movie, our production would have ground to a halt. So right. we only told the three central kids that he was in the movie. All those other kids, some of them auditioned, but literally like 10 of them were from the town we were in. They were just, we thought, oh they'd, God. We thought they'd be filler, you know, just in the background. And they ended up, some of them have speaking roles, participating, but but they didn't they didn't know the script. And so like when he's teaching a class and asking, how does this work? Like they would just spit out answers. <laughs> and again, oh, it was awesome. about creating that kind of vitality, you know, in the moment, creating this family off screen that that I think helped us so much on screen. Well, that was going to be my next question of, you know, it's famously difficult to work with kids as a director. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but kids and animals. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it two big don'ts. Two big don'ts of directing. <laughs> and it sounds like that you uh you found a pretty happy balance. Is there anything else you would want to add to kind of the struggle of eliciting these really compelling performances from these kids? No, I think I think mostly what I would do is just talk about what they really pulled off. And I and I think mm. one of the reasons that they're probably not getting uh, you know, as I said, I mean they're getting accolades all over the place, but I think they're so effective at portraying essentially adults, kids who don't get mm. to be kids. I think we forget that they're 11 and 12 years old yeah, um, because their performances are so grounded and so mature. And why is that? Well, again, we didn't cast actors. Like we literally cast some kids who were like, why are you auditioning? Why do you want to play this part? I, I, my family needs the money, <laughs> you mm. know? Uh, oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And we have kids, breaking down in auditions talking about almost losing their house from covid and and they need you know they needed to to, to that the, the kid who says i want to learn about boats like his audition will just destroy you and and he's a little young for the room uh, but i was just like i, I gotta give that kid a part like, yeah I, I literally need to to save his house you know <laughs> like god that's so sad oh my god yeah yeah and then my last question did I hear the true romance theme in there in terms of the music? So, so yes and no. So, okay. Oh, okay. Whoa, whoa. yeah. So, so you, you, first of all, you saw the movie at Sundance when where yes. it was completely unfinished. Ah, okay. We are, we are not allowed to say that at Sundance, right? Because suddenly then you open this window for everybody to be like, everybody then wants to get in and like be the cook in the kitchen and fix it or, or like, you know, you just, you just, as soon as you're not finished, you open the door to like a different kind of conversation. Um, but it. I actually spent the following five or six months after Sundance finishing the movie, um, which included a soundtrack from start to, you know, a whole revamping of the soundtrack, a little bit of picture cut, all the color correction, all the sound design. It's a lot of work. But, but in fact, the, the central theme in the middle of it is actually uh, Gossenhauer by, by, uh, by Carl Orff, which is, the theme song that everyone knows from Badlands and oh. Hans Zimmer completely, I don't know if he got the rights or what, or if it was just <laughs> the greatest ripoff of all time, but completely stole that for true romance. Oh, that's so uh, funny. And so it's the soundtrack for true romance. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we use that 
you know, there's this obvious uh, sequence in the middle of the movie where it takes off like a rocket, but we tease that theme, that idea all the way through. And, you know, on some level, it's almost sacred territory you don't touch because it's so identified with Badlands. But but to me, it, it's like, it's the most joyous music that on somehow some level captures this like essence and energy of childhood, which I think is essentially the joy of discovery. Um, mm. Like that, that's what makes youth what it is, is the newness of every moment, every day and the power of like, and joy of discovery and the music to me that piece i've just never heard a better example so i'm like well why can't i use it i'm going to use it and you know we, we got the rights and and uh that was our centerpiece really of, of the center pole the tent pole of, of the entire score actually oh that's it's beautiful i can't wait to get the soundtrack then Glad you noticed um, that. <laughs> okay. Well, this is a wonderful little film. And I, uh, you know, I've enjoyed hearing a little bit more about the production. I hope, and I'm glad you're able to help those kids. I mean, I, in, you know, it's, it's also nice that uh, Mr. Derbez has been able to expand and show everyone that he's a very gifted, dramatic actor alongside being a very, uh, you know, so you, you did a wonderful job working with him to show the other very talented side of this very talented individual. Well, I'm glad you're back in filmmaking as well, and I, I hope some of these other projects work out as well. So thank you uh, so much. Of course, and thank you for talking. All right. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interview with the director and writer for Radical, Christopher Zala, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Radical is now currently playing in theaters from Pantaleon Films and Participant. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.